Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, we pray again that you would remind us of the power of your word for our lives and your Holy Spirit, which uses your word to shape us and to mold us to live not for the world, but for you. Lord, we pray, work in our hearts by your spirit. And as we face the challenges and trials of this world, help us to find our peace and our hope in you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. This morning in our gospel lesson, Jesus shares with us the parable of, of the wedding feast. And we find this parable not only in the Gospel of Matthew as this morning, but also in the Gospel of Luke. And I'll uh, pull in a couple of things from the Gospel of Luke. But he talks about an invitation going out to, to all of the people in the area uh, that they might come and celebrate at the wedding feast for his son. And, and as the feast is prepared and the, the oxen uh, and, the, and the fattened calves have all been slaughtered and, and prepared, uh, he reminds them that the tables are set and they're ready for the wedding feast and now is the time to come. Come to the wedding feast. But it says in our text that they paid no attention and one went off, one to his farm, another to his business and the rest treated his servants shamefully and even put some of those messengers uh, to death. Uh, the Gospel of Luke tells us that they were making all sorts of excuses. Uh, I, I just got married myself. I don't have time. Uh, I've bought some new cattle and I got to take care of them and, and so on and so forth. And, and it, it just reminded me this parable that, that really things haven't changed a whole lot in our world today. People still make all sorts of excuses. Uh, why not to worship and and why not to gather together? Uh, and, and of course, it's a little bit different during this whole coronavirus thing, but I'm a little afraid, just a little, about what's going to happen when the ropes go away and things open up again. Are people going to be in such a habit of not coming that they just stay away. Uh, Lord only knows. We pray that he's still working in people's hearts and even those who are worshiping online uh, will be moved to come back and to join their brothers and sisters in Christ in worship. But I'm reminded of some of the excuses that I've heard over 30 plus years of ministry and, and, and you know, all sorts of excuses like if I came to church, the walls would cave in and those kinds of things. Or, or I, I really, I don't want to go to church. It's just filled with a bunch of hypocrites anyway, which I, I came across this and I just love this. Uh, not going to church because of hypocrites is like not going to the gym because of the out of shape people. Yeah, really? You, you, you can't put the excuse on other people. Where are you at? And what is God calling you to do in terms of worshiping him uh, with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And it doesn't matter if the church is filled with unbelievers. You come. You come because you're fed with the word, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are fed with his body and his blood for the forgiveness of sins and reminded that you're his child. I, I came across this excuse too. I love this one. New excuse, I was on my way to church and was almost there when I looked at my cell phone and it said, no service. So I turned around and went home. Yeah. Anything, right, to find that excuse. The next one is a little different because 
I think it's, it's more about inviting your friends to church, and yet it's a sad statement in so many ways about the way that we think sometimes. I, I would invite my friends to church, but then they might meet my church friends and tell them some colorful stories about me. No thanks, I'd rather keep my friends as far away as possible. Isn't that sad? The whole idea that we would live a life in the world different from the one that we live at church, that we would behave differently in the world than we do at church. That's not what God calls us to do, nor how he calls us to live. He calls us into the kingdom through the waters of baptism, places that white robe of righteousness upon us and calls us to be his people. Not just here in worship, but out in the world. And we forget that sometimes. That it's important for us to understand who God has called us to be. To be his witnesses in this world. To bear witness to the life that we have in Christ. And not to be so focused on the world or the things of the world that we lose sight of Christ. And that's easy to do during this current time, to be so focused on, on the pandemic, so to speak, or, or the things going on around us that cause fear and stress. I find it interesting that St. Paul in our epistle lesson today reminds us to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Always again, I say rejoice. And the very last words of our Old Testament lesson say this. Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. To rejoice in what God has done for us through his son, our Savior Jesus Christ. The world would have us to focus on so many other things and to draw us away from Christ, to help us to lose our focus in Christ. The challenge is, even in the midst of things that are difficult and trying, even in the midst of things that are, are challenging to our faith, is to find our hope in Jesus Christ and to still look to him and understand that he's the one that brings joy to us. In fact, it says here, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In other words, we come to the Lord each and every day thankful for the ways that he's working in our lives. Thankful that he is there to lift us up in our times of need, to help us through those times of struggle, to give us the strength of his presence, for he is with us. Rejoice. In the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. It's important, even in the midst of things that drag us down, to turn our eyes once again to Jesus and to know that the world can't do anything to us. Yeah, we face the pandemic. It increases fears, anxieties. But if we put our eyes and our hearts back on Christ, we realize that in the words of that, that song, he still holds the world in his hands. The whole world. And he's in charge and he's in control. It's not a virus. 
not the politicians. It's not the world. It's Christ. And as his followers, Paul reminds us to do those things that we're called to do. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable or noble, whatever is, is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. How forgetful we are to think about these things. Our sinful human nature looks at what's going on in the world and we give in to those things like fear. We, we gravitate more towards the bad news than the good news. Can you imagine? Think about it. Today we have 24-7 news cycles. You know what happens? Imagine if somebody would come up with a 24-7 news cycle that reported only those things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. If they did that 24-7, the ratings would go Because people gravitate by their sinful natures to the salacious, to the rumors, to the falsehoods, to the bad things. And we are just as guilty. We forget to put our hope in Christ. We forget to do the things that God calls us to do. It's like Paul, the good that I would do that I find myself not doing and that which I should do. Yeah. We struggle. And so we are encouraged by Paul to do these good things, to focus our eyes on Christ. He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Folks, being a follower of Christ is not easy. It's work. It's work sometimes to get the kids ready to get to church when they're fighting you the whole way. It's hard sometimes to get out of bed when you've had a hard week at work. We make the excuses. I can't do it. I can't go. It's hard to live it in our lives every day. When we see the world around us behaving in certain ways and we want to lash out in our sinfulness and do things in wrong ways. And God calls us to do these things. It's not easy. I'm reminded of the story of, of the young man named Johnny who didn't want to get up and go to church. His mom comes in, Johnny, it's time for you to get up and go to church. I'm not going. Johnny, you got to go to church. I don't want to go. Johnny, give me good, three good reasons why you shouldn't go to church. He said, well, the first reason is I'm too tired. Well, what, yeah, what's the second, Johnny? The people there don't like me. Johnny, 
Johnny, you have no choice. You have to go to church. I don't want to even hear the third reason. Mom, why do I have to go to church? Because you're the pastor. Trust me, the devil even works on the pastors sometimes. It's not always easy. The devil sits on our shoulders, whispering the excuses into our ears, telling us the reasons why, why we should ignore God in our lives, why we should live like the rest of the world. And Christ is there working through the power of his word, speaking to our hearts and saying, look, you need to be different from the rest of the world. When you feel like the world's dragging you down, like you can't do it, you need to remember in the last words of our epistle lesson today where Christ says uh, through Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can stand up to the things of the world. I can find my strength in Christ to carry on. He took the burdens of my sin to a cross and he suffered and he died there for each and every one of them. He strengthens me and I find my strength in him. He's invited me to that wedding feast and to that banquet, and so often we don't want to even be with the king. We want to be with the world. And we forget that we find our strength in the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Can you imagine? Can you imagine receiving a beautiful engraved invitation to a dinner at the White House? where you get to meet the president. I don't care which president. Think about that event. A once in a lifetime opportunity to go to the house of the nation for a dinner. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's that you get four tickets for the best seats for the Super Bowl where the Packers are playing the Broncos. All expenses paid. You'd clear your calendar. You'd rearrange your life in order to make sure that you could go to that. You'd make sure that you could go to the White House. And they're nowhere near as important. as a banquet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They're nowhere near as important as gathering together as a body of believers to worship the one who gave his life for us. How so often in our lives we get our priorities all turned upside down. And we misplace what's valuable, or in our words, what's truly good, right, and salutary. The challenge for us is to live our lives in a way that we look at our life and all of the resources that God has given to us, our time, our talents, and our treasures, and we look at all of them and say, Lord, how can I live for you and your kingdom? How can I serve you? with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
with all that I am and all that you have given to me. How can I be a blessing to the world around me and in turn be an example of your love? Come, feast, rejoice. Rejoice in the blessings that God has poured out upon you and be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.